This episode is sponsored by Coven Queen by Jeremy Goebel. In the cursed country of Akorilan, monarchs are bred to die, and Jularas' turn draws near. Fueled by wine and rage, she lives in the shadows of the malignant entity's death pact. While burdened with the expectation of an early death, she's also tested by a starving populace and political vultures on her borders. Having little control over her fate, Dulara must prepare to face the cruel covenant. Can the discovery of a forgotten power allow her to break the bonds of dark magic that have tormented her family for centuries? Coven Queen by Jeremy Goble. From the author of the Akalian Tales comes a standalone dark fantasy inspired by Melisandre from Game of Thrones. Coven Queen is an aggressive and welcome return to the mystifying traits of old world witchcraft. Available now on Amazon, on Kindle ebook or paperback, or read for free with Kindle Unlimited. Coven Queen by Jeremy Goble. Conjure your copy today. This is author Raymond V. Feist. Hi, this is R. Scott Baker. This is Anthony Ryan. The Grim Tidings Podcast welcomes Delilah S. Dawson to the show. Delilah, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. This is literary agent Mark Gottlieb from Trident Media Group. This is David Anthony Durham. Hi, this is Melanie Metters. Hi, this is Brian Stavely. Hello, this is Jesse Bullington slash Alex Marshall. Hi, this is Jeff Salyards. Hi, this is Michael R. Fletcher. The Grim Tidings Podcast proudly welcomes Stephen Erickson to the show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward Instagram Tidings Podcast, Rob Matheny here. My guest today was born in Baltimore, Maryland, and has a BA in philosophy from Dickinson College. He's the author of multiple novels, including the award-winning fantasy noir Lowtown series, including Lowtown, Tomorrow the Killing, and She Who Waits. He's the author of the Empty Throne duology, including Those Above and Those Below. His latest works include Tor.com Publishing's Hugo-nominated novella The Builders, and just released last year the paranormal urban fantasy A City Dreaming. Online at DanielPolanski.com. Daniel Polanski, thank you for joining me on the podcast today, sir. It's my distinct pleasure. Thank you. We are live and in person. You joined me in my actual living room. I mean, we are in your living room. In my house. In your house. Invading my space. I am. It's awkward for all parties, but uh, we're doing the best we can to get through it. I made you dinner. We had lasagna. We ate food. We're okay. drinking beers right now. We've got Pyramid Outburst Citrus IPA. We've got some Hefeweizen in the fridge. I don't do interviews sober. Right. <laughs> I don't do podcasts sober. <laughs> well, it's great to have you um, here in Salem. Why the hell are you in Salem? Um, I am in Salem. Uh, I've been driving north from L.A. the last four or five days, I guess. And... Uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, and then that's why I'm in Salem. Uh, the Pacific Northwest is a, an extraordinary place. The coast of California through Oregon is just magnificent. I've uh, enjoyed tremendously my my aimless rambles these last few days. And you're a world traveler. You've been all over the place, and you're pretty jazzed about the Pacific Northwest. I am, although it's, it's, I, I get excited about everywhere I am. Okay. I, I like places, although it is a magnificent uh, the, 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 the scenery out here is spectacular. And seeing a place for the first time is also a big hoot. Plus, I didn't, I, I, it, this was like ideal circumstances for me insofar as I had no idea 
where I was going or like even that I was going until like sort of a few days before I went. So that's the best way to see, you know, like having no expectations, you always get so excited. You're like, ooh, Eureka. What is Eureka, California like? <laughs> it's got it's got bookstores. Oh, this is so exciting. You know, so. And then Salem, Oregon. Yay. I don't know. I just drove right off the highway. Okay. It looks like uh, you got you got trees. Yeah. Lots of trees around yeah. here. This is actually not the first time I've interviewed you, but uh, the reason you're in my house is because yeah. you're on the West Coast tour. I am. You put out a Facebook post and somebody said, hey, Rob Matheny's in Salem. Drop yes. by his house. And I was like, hey, come on over. I'll feed you lasagna if we yeah. do an interview. And you're like, OK, so we're drinking beers. And we are. Out. Okay. I, uh, you, you're losing out a lot on this. Experience, <laughs> but that's on you, man. There are no refunds. I don't give refunds. <laughs> That'll be on my tombstone. Uh, <laughs> not the first time I've interviewed you. Um, I actually interviewed you back in February of 2015 for my old Grim Dark Fiction blog. I'm going to include the link in the show notes for listeners if they want to check out that interview from way back. And uh, we talked a little bit about your novel Lowtown, which we're going to talk about a little bit during our interview here today. It's good. I have a short attention span. I can't remember really okay. much beyond. Good. And I can edit the podcast and we'll make you sound like a million bucks. I would so. You know, a lot of elaborate editing. You've got some real <laughs> press software over there. I don't know. Whatever. So world traveling, you're traveling through California, up through the West Coast, heading up to Seattle tomorrow. I am. Uh, how does travel affect your writing? Are you getting a lot of writing done as you are about traveling the world, or is it slow you down? Um, well, so I used to, for about four or five years of my life, I was traveling more or less full time. Uh, and then I got, you know, traveling alone, you get a lot of writing done normally because you're just alone so much. And back then, I was—I I usually wouldn't rent a car. I'd just take buses or trains or hitch or whatever. Um, so then you have a lot more downtime. I haven't actually been writing that much the last few days because I've been in a car so much. And um, but you know, I—it I, um, depends on where you are in the process with things. I'm between a few things and stuff, so I'm kind of bubbling with ideas at the moment until something hits. You know, probably if I was, sometimes you're pushing to finish a project or something like that, and then. Um, then you want a lot more time to be able to sit in front of a computer. But uh, like where I am now, it's like, oh, I got a lot of ideas to kind of fumble through. And, you know, you don't really know what's – wait, your question was <laughs> – your question, how does travel affect my writing? Right. Like, that was your um, – Just depends where you're at in the writing process. Yeah. And I mean I guess more generally. To, and to speak more generally to that question, mm-hmm. um, I I do like to believe that if you're a good writer, then everything goes into your writing in some way. Um and I do like to think that seeing a lot of different parts of the world and trying to just watch people and figure out how they operate in different, you know, in different milieus um, has done something for my writing. But that might not be true. Who knows? What are some of the like top three kind of diverse places that you've been to in the world that maybe not the regular Baltimore resident maybe has been to? You're kind of a seasoned traveler. So what are some of the like well, top three places you've been to? Well, I'll just, you know, I don't know about those compliments. They're, they're <laughs> maybe there. But uh, I just three, you know, a few random places that people, um, you know, um, that don't, you know, are not like Paris or, or London. Um, I really like Namibia, hmm. uh, not Nambia as our president uh, incorrectly said Namibia. <laughs> no, he said Zambia, but whatever. Zambia, whatever. He was wrong. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Namibia is really beautiful. It's uh, it's like very deserted, very you know, this desert, and you drive through this 
really barren stretch of it's where they filmed the old the last Mad Max with like the red ah, sand so it's like amazing lovely. looking really mm-hmm. beautiful it seems like post-apocalyptic when you see it in that context ah. but just doing <laughs> driving through there normally you're like oh my god it's these crazy colors and uh, and then you get to the coast so that's really cool um i really like um the former yugoslavia um croatia of course we learn about but uh, montenegro and bosnia and serbia are really nice they look a little bit like california this area actually in that you have the mountains going right to the coast i'm doing hand gestures here as if you can see me but you can't um well you can i can see you right right. but the audience the people listening cannot anyway uh so that's really nice go to bosnia bosnia's really pretty people don't know that and um let me give a good third one uh I like Salvador de Bahia in Brazil. Mm. Uh, that's a really, you, know, you might get mugged, but it's, if you don't get mugged, you'll have the best time. <laughs> and if you do get mugged, you'll still have a really good time. It's <laughs> still a great time. You'll still be like, oh man, the best, the nicest people, except for that one guy who, who jacked me up with a pistol in my face. <laughs> he was not very nice. He was not nice, but the rest of them were so nice. <laughs> the it food almost, was lovely. It pretty, it almost made up for armed robbery. <laughs> So we'll talk some writerly things. We'll talk a little bit about your books. Um, we'll talk publishing. And we'll just talk for one half hour, 45 minutes. And I just want to get people to get to know Daniel Polanski a little bit here today. <laughs> I think uh, spreading the good word. I don't know. That, that's a good plan for anyone. But uh, we've gone this far. We might as well continue, right? <laughs> the train has left yeah, it's the station. Too, yeah, it's I, too you gotta, late to stop. You got to, you know, like when you're, you got to just double down, I think, at a certain point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too late to go <laughs> it's back. It's time to double down. Right. What book should we talk about first? What's your, what, do you have a favorite book that you wrote? Yeah, I mean, um, I, City Dreaming would be my favorite book. A City Dreaming. It's your uh, most recent release. It's my most recent release. That's from um, Simon & Schuster. Yeah, it's okay. from, uh, uh, yeah. Um, you can Google it. Uh, yeah, I like that. Um, it's a sort of an urban fantasy, uh, but I think in a pecu- done peculiarly, you know, sort of with the, the underlying joke being... So, uh, fantasy as a genre is so much about wish fulfillment, right? And I sort of liked... The idea of leaning into that insofar as writing a book where it was like, well, if I was going to be a dream version of myself, like what would I – what would that look like? And, you know, it would it, he wouldn't be saving the world. He'd just be like getting drunk and hanging out in bars. So it would just be like my normal life, but I'd be like better looking and more charming. And so that was sort of the idea was to do that with City Dreaming. So it's, a, it's an urban fantasy basically with the joke being like if you had magic powers, you still wouldn't fight, you know, a sort of devil analog. You'd just be like hanging out with your friends and have like better luck. Um, and so it's it's this kind of episodic uh, sort of uh, uh, meander through New York and what it's like to live in New York in the – you know, in the day and age, but uh, every so often there's magic. Urban fantasy? Yeah, I mean, that's a broad term, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know, anything with, anything with magic in a city. I think probably if you are, I don't know, people seem to really either like it or not like it, uh, City Dreaming. Um, I, you know, it does not have a conventional three-act kind of, like, save-the-world structure. Uh, there are no demons, like, coming to eat the planet. Oh. Yeah, you know, so, you know, it just... Um, it's more. I like it probably because it's more personal than my other books. It's 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 a sort of joke about you know I could I I'd have these peculiar misadventures in Brooklyn and then I'd be like, wouldn't it be funny if you know you up this like you know whatever? There's one where it's like um, uh, there are like a, you know I, I'm living in this gentrified area, gentrifying area of Brooklyn. You're like, man, there's a fucking coffee shop opening up every week. And then I was like, well, wouldn't it be funny if you know there was like a diabolical kind of Lovecraftian intelligence behind these <laughs> coffee shops opening, you know, every day and like, oh, they're spreading to take over the world and like now you've got to kind of find some way to defend against that. So it's that kind of a thing. I think it's very, very funny. And if you haven't bought it, you haven't lived. Mm. And I am a, a neutral 
server, like a totally reasonable judge of this. Oh yes, non biased. I am. I, I just, I'm super biased, but probably <laughs> when we get to the other books I've written, I'll just like talk shit about them. Okay. So that's interesting. I haven't yeah. had a lot of authors talk shit about no, their books not, before. It's not a good. It's not really <laughs> a good marketing. Strategy. Your agent hopefully is not listening to the show. Uh, I, you, you said you don't have a big. A big audience, no, right? No, tens I mean, okay. and tens of listeners. All right, listeners, well, then I can so. just be honest. If, if, if everyone's, if people, if not that many people are going to hear this, then I can be upfront about my dislike of my own. I like that. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting approach, and we like to go into unique areas here on the show. So we'll dive into that. Then, yeah. So A City Dreaming is available now. You're a big fan of that uh, urban fantasy. Well, wait, I'm, you didn't say I'm a big fan. You're not, you were, okay. You were like, what is? what book do you dislike least? And I was okay. like, oh, I don't, I don't hate City Dreaming. Uh, you know, it's all right. So, but yes, you know. What are your plans for a city dream? Any more sequels or anything? Is that a standalone? Is it? Um, we'll see. We'll uh, see. At the moment, it's a standalone. But I mean, it's okay. uh, uh, you know, I'd like to write more. But uh, do all your books start as standalones, or do you have full series come to you? Or the truth is, I think it's an unfortunate aspect of the way the industry works. Actually, if we're just gonna go big here, yeah. Um, the whole the whole setup for how people write fantasy stuff in particular is totally fucked, hmm. and it, it is is leading to shit books. Oh, I mean, that's strong, but it's leading to weaker books, weaker books than, than could. Okay. Um, and so, you know, in, in the ideal circumstance, no one is writing multi-volume books. You write one book and then release the entire thing at once, basically, because um, you, as a writer, I mean, like, the number of things you realize two-thirds of the way through you wish you'd introduced in part one, or, you know, thematic uh, rhythm, you know, rhyme scheme that you want to put in or, or whatever um, that you then can't do because you're in book three of five or whatever and you, you didn't introduce that character the way you now realize you should have four years ago or something like that. So, yeah, so I mean, you know, like I, in the ideal circumstance, even these these very long books, you could, you know, like you would go out to the store and buy 6,000 pages of George R. R. Martin one day and that can't be done obviously because of the, the way the medium works, but um, it does result, I think, in, in yeah, I mean, you know, it, as a writer, you certainly hope you're getting better every book. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it is peculiar. Like I did feel this way about Lowtown, the Lowtown series definitely where it was like, I, I, you know, you feel you're kind of, uh, a slave to this thing you wrote, you know, uh, this idea you came up with three years ago, four years ago, my first book where it's like, I don't know anything. You know, I didn't know anything when I, when I made that decision mm -hmm. and now I'm three years down the line and I wish I made a different decision back then. And, you know, if I had been able to kind of put that whole thing together. So there's not really a way to fix that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why I answered. What was your actual question? <laughs> Remind me of that before I went on a rant. Uh, no, I like rants. Um, so let's talk about Lowtown then, because yeah. that's you. We mentioned earlier that that was a, a book that you had some issues with. I guess. Mm. What, what? How are you? How do you feel about Lowtown? You know, there's the line about no work of art is uh, ever finished, only um, ever com it's ever completed, only abandoned, or something like mm -hmm. this. What is the line? I think I'm screwing it up now. No work, no work, whatever. Something like that. Um, so. You've got to be a pretty weird dude if you think your first book is a good book. Like, if you're happy with your first book, I almost think there's something wrong with you because it's just such an odd, you know. I should ask more of my writer friends how they feel about this, but I don't know. I mean, I, 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 a lot of know. people were happy about Lowtown. It won an award, right? It did. Mm -hmm. It won some things, I guess. Critical um, acclaim. and uh, You know, I don't know. I mean, I... I I'm also the kind of person who just only sees flaws. Like I, I, I haven't gone back and read Lowtown since it came out. Wow. I, well, who I don't know. I don't. I don't know. What I mean, I wouldn't. I don't want to reread my stuff. It's just you're just seeing like, ugh. <laughs> you know, like even the things, even City Dreaming, which I kind of like, I still like look back on. You're like, that's that should have gone. That sentence should have gone. That wasn't funny. You know, you're looking at you. You know, you're always looking at it with this like hypercritical eye. Um, 
Yeah, Lowtown, I mean, I don't know. You know, it was my first, it was the first thing I'd ever written, basically, for all intents and purposes. And, uh, I mean, there's things I'd have done differently. Um, yeah. Do you think the, uh, overall the work is not as good as it should be? I mean, some authors go back and actually change their shit. Like, I've had some self-published people who will go back and update their book. Is there, like, a, any plans to do an no. author's definitive version, or are no. you just done? God, no, I don't want to. <laughs> the author's definitive version would be to just do a different, completely different... Uh, Something else. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. I, you know what? I haven't gone back and looked at it. It might be better than I remember. Um, there's always that weird thing where, like, I don't really want to, like, severely crap on a thing people might buy. Mm-hmm. Like, I have I have that... Li- that is that is exactly the extent of my... You know, like, <laughs> You know, sort of my, my uh, uh, instinct towards sales. Like, oh, I shouldn't actively disparage the product that I'm <laughs> producing. Um, there's a lot I'd have done differently about Lowtown. I don't know. I mean, uh, I probably – you probably should trunk your first novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know that – in retrospect, that's bad. I mean, I, I, there, I don't know many other writers that got their first novel published Right. Um, even like very good, not mm-hmm. very good writers, mm-hmm. you know, and I just was peculiar in that. And, um, I didn't understand, you know, it was the first thing I ever told you know, who, who's good at the, first, how good do you, you know, how good, how good does anyone do the, something the first time? Um, was Lowtown your first novel? Yeah. No, no trunks or anything no, before that? Okay. First thing. I really hadn't, really hadn't tried to write fiction before that. Wow. So, um, there's but it was, a it was really good. You're talented, Daniel. Thank you. Yeah. I guess. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I wish, yeah, you know, I'd have done a lot of things differently. Okay. I didn't really understand. I wrote it very quickly. I didn't really understand how much effort is, you know, you, should, you need to be putting into a book that you like. And, yeah, so I don't know. Um, there we, were worse books. You wrote a couple sequels. Yeah, well, you have to. Okay. Uh, I was under, you know. Um, uh, under contract? Yeah. Okay. I was under contract for a trilogy. I sold to, in the, you know, in the UK that I bought. They bought a trilogy. So, you know, they needed two more. The, the next two are, are a lot better, um, I think. Well, okay. again, I actually not read any of them hmm. since they came out, but I'm, I, I remember them being – the first one doesn't really make sense, uh, frankly. The plotting is not great, and the plotting of the next two is better. I don't know. It, you know, it's weird. I really don't like series uh, – as like, you know, series as, series as a concept, and especially as a writer, it does in weird ways. Like, you know, like I said, it ties you to things you then maybe don't really want to do later on, you know? So um, – there were decisions made in Lowtown that probably I would not have made that, you know, hampered me in these next two books. I don't think they're bad as far as I go. I probably like the second and third book pretty well. Okay. Um, although, again, I have not. <laughs> it's possible that if I, I that my, if I look, if, I, if you like put me in a room alone with like nothing, you know, like an empty room with those three books and I had to read them, I might not. I don't know how I would feel about them. Anymore, okay. You know? Have you read any of your books post-publication? No, no. I've read probably. I have read like I don't have. So I mean, I, I live in Brooklyn at the moment, and I but you know, no sleep till. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and I have a, a you know like your classic kind of tiny New York apartment. So I don't. I tell them not to send me the books because I don't. They're like, do you want twenty books? And you're like, no, fuck no. Why would I want twenty books? Who would even, who possibly wants twenty books? So I sent them. I have sent them to my parents. Uh, so when I go back to my parents, like I'll like go back to my room and they'll be like, <laughs> "There's like two hundred boxes of, you know, like, of my various books and all." Like occasionally I'll take one out and like I'll read twenty pages or something like this. I mean, I've, I've read excerpts from it, but I have not sat. I've not carried. No, I have not read any book I've written straight through hmm. since they come out. I don't hmm. know. I don't. I don't. I, I think most writers don't do that. Okay, but I could be wrong. 
I don't think I've actually asked that question a lot. I don't think that's something we've really talked about is how often do you go back through your work? It would be almost or... insane. Mm-hmm. You'd have to be like the most peculiar narcissist to like want to go. I don't know why. Because again, like you just look, you just see it. You just think like everything is wrong. Mm-hmm. You change this and this and this. And it's just frustrating. Okay. Um, and also like I kind of know what happens. Right. So, <laughs> no surprises. Not a lot of surprises. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, in the Grimdark Circles, uh, Lowtown, the series, is pretty widely held um, as a dark, fantastic series with lots of cool elements going on. So lots of critical acclaim from uh, our Grimdark crowd. Thank you. That we have. Um, so I actually have a copy of a first edition copy of <laughs> Lowtown. You know, there wasn't a second edition. Okay. It's not as impressive. <laughs> if you have a copy of it, you have a first yeah, edition gotcha. copy. Gotcha. Okay. I, I thought it was special. <laughs> but it's quite so I special. thought it was special. Well, it, right. it hasn't been signed. I'll sign so it. So I've got the book here. Yeah, they've I'll sign your book. Um, I'm not sure where you usually sign on one of these things. I usually right there. You okay. Got it right All right. There. I found I'll, the page. You know, but if I sign it now, I'm not going to think of anything. Uh, you know, okay. Well, I'll sign it later. We'll parking lot it. Something clever. I can think yes. of a clever thing to write. At the conclusion of the interview, like, like, that interview sucked, enjoy the book, or maybe not. Suck it. <laughs> I saw everything. Suck it, Daniel Palaez. <laughs> Suck it. Great. Winning fans. Well, I got a lot of friends. Right? <laughs> friends and fans across the globe. <clears throat> I'm not well-liked. <sighs> well, I like you. Well, you haven't you known br- me that long. You brought me beer, mm-hmm. so it started off with a good. Well, there we go. The good foot. Yeah. Uh, the Builders. Yeah, The Builders. Tor.com. Publishing's novella. Yes. A little bit shorter than your usual work. Yes. Uh, what do you think about writing The Builders? That seems to be actually fairly popular, too. A lot of a lot of buzz for The Builders as I well. I like The Builders, actually. That was, ah. The Builders is a, funny, it's a funny kind of story. Actually. So I wrote, even before Lowtown came out, like right before I, I sold it, I, um, I, <laughs> I just had this idea for The Builders. And I just was like, a mouse walks into a bar. And I was like, that is funny. I was like, that gives me a chuckle, man. And, you know, like trying to, you know, the cl- I'm a big fan of the old sort of Sergio Leone, kind of Peck and Paul, classic, you know. Actually, I guess those are, those are revisionist westerns. But the, the, the classic, air quote, revisionist westerns. I love that, that shit. So that was a funny idea. So I wrote um, three quarters of this before Lowtown came out, just like on, this, on, on, on a whim. Mm-hmm. And was like, oh, this is so fucking silly and so fucking funny, and I just dig this. And then didn't finish it because I was like, well, no one, I can't do anything with this. Like, it's it's not. As I was writing, I was like, this is not a novel. Like, this is there's just no way I can't even get. I couldn't get eighty thousand words by this. This is not remotely worth eighty thousand words. It's just like animals killing each other. <laughs> uh, and I was like, you know, it's but, you know, basically before Tor started this imprint, uh, so far as I understand slash understood at the time like there was no market for for novellas you mm-hmm. know, unless you're stephen king or neil gaiman or something and they'll people will just publish whatever you want it's really hard to publish that you know in that format so i had this book um for years and occasionally i come back and be like this is this is kind of funny <laughs> like i still think this is like call me juvenile but you know like the mouse with a shotgun like i still get a kick out of that <laughs> and uh and then at some convention somewhere or something, I don't really remember, but somebody was like, oh, you know, Tor is starting this, this novella imprint. And I was like, that's what it is. It's a novella. I didn't know I, could, I didn't know it was possible. Mm-hmm. So I, I um, you know, in between like writing it and selling it was like six years, maybe five or something. And, and there was a long gap there where I like, so like this will never sell. Like, I didn't even finish it. Cause it's just like, this right. is just, and I literally was like, I should finish this because you think it's funny. I want to be able to read this straight through my hard drive, like, you know, laugh at it. And so then, uh, then I, I, so that was how that got published, and, and that's really cool. Novellas are a really cool format. I uh, I'm glad that that's kind of becoming kind of a thing again, mm-hmm. or more than it was five years ago at least. Because there's a lot there's a lot of stories that just don't you don't need eighty thousand words to tell. 
And uh, indeed, many of my favorites, I just think, are shorter than that. Uh, I've gotten critical praise uh, from your contemporaries, including uh, Mark Lawrence, Mike Cole, uh, Michael R. Fletcher, a lot of folks who uh, enjoy specifically the Lowtown series. A lot of Mike folks. A lot of Mikes. Lot of with a lot of Mikes, yeah. Mikes like Daniel. Um, do you like having that sort of praise? I hate it. I hate when people say nice terrible. I say I fuck. I hate it. No, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, it's better that it's better to have someone like your book than not like your book. Okay. You no, know, it's great. It's nice when people like your book. I mean, I, I, I you know, I, those are all they're all good guys. I, I've got nice things to say. About mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Have you blurbed any books or? Have I blurbed any? Blurbed books? anybody? Put put the Daniel Plansky seal of approval. Name, well, I'm not I'm not important. Discussing, <laughs> so I don't think any. I mean, I, I have not. Um, I don't think my name is on a book. Like, I don't think you can buy any book and then say, you know, it's like Daniel Plansky says, blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure I haven't done that. I mm-hmm. guess I've probably in like mag, you know, in, in various other formats, been like flogged someone's book, flogged or flagged. Better. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of those. Uh, I have I have given praise to people's books, but I don't think I've actually ever blurred. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Empty Throne series. Yeah, you got, yeah, got lots. <laughs> yeah, uh, those above and those below. All your books are available now on Amazon too, and uh, we're going to have some links available in the show notes yeah. if folks want to check out your buy website them. and yeah. buy multiple copies of your books. Yeah, because I've done a really good job of talking. About <laughs> Who wouldn't want to buy them right? after, that, after that sales pitch? <laughs> Uh, do you like those above and those below? No. No? Okay. No, no I mean, I, I, Next that's topic. not fair. I mean, you know, no, that's not fair. Okay. I, the truth is that I just think it's an odd, you have an odd relationship to your books as a writer. It sounds like it. Um, I don't, I don't really know. I'm surprised I haven't talked to more of my friends about this, but I don't really know how they feel about their books particularly. I think at best they're like, I don't know. You, you, the next book is the book you like. The next book is the book you're like, no, this one is really going to be, I'm going to be, you know, once it's done, I kind of don't have that much interest in them or like excitement for them. Um, the Empty Throne, they're all right. I, I wanted to write, again, to get back to like the peculiarities of the genre, I wanted to write one really long, like thousand page kind of Shogun style, like Lonesome Dove, something like that, like a, an epic, a, a, a single book epic. And, you know, for, for, for kind of various reasons, it, it ended up. The publisher wanted it split into more, and I, I kind of wish I hadn't done that. Hmm. Um, should I probably be talking about how much I hate these fucking books? And uh, I like it. Pop, I guess we'll go with it. I don't know. Maybe maybe. Um, I like your I like your transparency. I don't know. You know, people. I, I some people like them. Smart people like. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like I I I I am not a good critic of you. Know what? You know, you can't be the critic of your own work. No. I really don't know. You know, I I. Um, I usually say you're you're the o- you're your own worst critic when it comes to your yourself. Yeah, I mean, or you're, you're or you're one of these assholes that thinks you're a genius. You're like, mm. oh my god, my t- prose is transcendental. You're like, I don't know. My and co-host Philip between. Overby. Yeah, okay. yeah, he's the worst. Right. Fuck that guy. Fucking hack. I would get to throw him out of you know, <laughs> a sh- one of those bullet trains they got over there too, like 300 miles an hour. Damn. Take that, buddy. Bam. <laughs> I'm having your beer. Um, Go for it. Daniel Polanski is savage yeah, here yeah. on the Grim Tidings podcast. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, the the truth is, I don't. I might like those more. They're also like recent enough. The low town stuff is so far back that I kind of am like, aww. And like the empty throne might be a little too. They're like my annoying adolescent. Where it's mm-hmm. like, fuck you, kid. <laughs> fucking asking me shit. I talk all the fucking time. Shut up. So they this might, is one of my favorite they interviews. Might be better this than is I great. remember. I don't really remember. I honestly don't remember if they're good. <laughs> 
Every so often I get like, someone will send me something like, I really love that. I'm like, oh shit, really? Really? <laughs> the other thing truthfully is, okay, they might be good in the movie that I really don't, don't know. I don't really like high fantasy. I actually hate high fantasy. Hmm. And I wrote these kind of, they were like revisionist, kind of a revisionist take on the genre. And then midway through, I was like, oh, but this is kind of still like high fantasy. And I, I just like, I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. That, but they're not bad. <laughs> they've actually got a great ending. If you, if you, they've got a really ferocious, they are the, they are the meanest things I've ever written. Those are hmm. some, that is some nasty, bitter ass shit. The, 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 the um, empty throne stuff. I don't know. You know, it might be better than I, that might be better than I remember. I honestly, I had not read them. Okay. Since they came out, that was years ago. I don't know. If All right. Or not. But it was originally just one book, and then the publishers put it into two. Well, we I didn't write. I mean, when we were talking in the early stages, we were. I was like, oh, I had this idea basically for this this epic where it's like uh, it's a revisionist take on elves, right? You know, and like what the you know how it would look, what it would look like if you know you actually had these two species, these two hominid, you know, hominid, 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 Nidded. species, hominid, <laughs> two species hominiding around. <laughs> Uh, like, you know, no, two intelligence, you know, two uh, uh, intelligent species occupying a planet. Like, what would that look like? And what if one was superior? And, you know, so there were some interesting questions to sort of explore in terms of race and and culture and, and evolution, these kinds of things. Um, and I'm not sure if I did a good job with it or not. No. So it's two books know. available now. But um, yes, yeah, so it's done. Based on that sterling recommendation, right. you guys at all, but some people like it. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so it wasn't uh, duology wasn't the purpose of setting out. It was just you set out to write. Yeah, yeah. You know, you learn different book. things, man. When mm-hmm. you, you know, after every book and uh, and Lowtown came out in 2011. So you've been in the publishing game now for six years, I guess. If yeah, math serves me right. Six, seven. Well, because it, you know, I think I sold Lowtown in 2010. Actually, okay. So been been seven years. Nine. Hmm? Okay. It doesn't really matter. Oh, nine. A few years. You've been doing the yeah, writing a thing. a while. Yeah. What do you, what's your takeaway now that you've been in the game for this long? You've got a few um, okay-ish novels under your your belts and uh, <laughs> making a name for yourself in the publishing world. <laughs> Am I? Is any of that true? <laughs> um, what, you, I don't, can you, what, what do you mean? What what do you, your, what, what's your, your takeaway you know? so far from your writing career? What's, I mean, is oh, there, has it been question. awesome or is it, uh, is it, well, but, is mean, it what really, you thought it would be? Wait or? a minute. Really what you're asking? That's an impossible question. Is Ask it? better questions. <laughs> Really, what that question is like? How are the last eight years of your life gone? Okay, okay, all there have right. been ups and downs. It hasn't been a uniform streak of excellence, but I'm not always in the gutter. Okay, know, you know, it's been okay. I don't know. I... Rephrase your question. Okay. All right, all right. All it was, right, it was very broad. Yeah, that's a broad stroke. Yeah, it was. see, I start out far, and then right. we zoom in the microscope. The further we go, the all more right, beers no. we drink all during right. the. During the interview, because you're staying sober, I'm a few ahead of you. Right, I, yeah. I only have three. Year I, I see you. I see you nursing though, as mm. you know, trying to. I'm not used to it. Like I said, I usually do the podcast in the morning, so right. I can't get that drunk. Yeah, but yeah. now I'm where, where it's what Tuesday night. We're gonna have some beers. It's just, so. it's just a regular Tuesday, the way the way like. Contractually obliged question we usually ask uh, on the Grim Tidings podcast is that no. just in regards to Grim Dark. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on the subgenre? Do you feel like you're a Grim Dark author, or yeah. um, do you see any advantages to having a subgenre like Grim Dark? The way you think about your book as a writer, as the author, is very different than the way people think about it as a reader. I tend to think I um, I understand the from the perspective of a reader I understand the purpose of having a relatively narrow genre you know to to be able to articulate clearly what you want 
you know, and, and what you're looking for in terms of what you want to purchase. That makes sense from a reader's perspective. From a writer's perspective, it's just not how I approach the things I, I, I write at all. Um, I don't think, I was just thinking about this the other day for some weird, unrelated reason. I'm pretty sure when I wrote Low Town, I was not aware of the word grimdark. I don't, I sort of feel like it, it kind of blew up as a concept, not because of my book in any way, but just unrelated to, my, I feel like it blew up a little after that. So, you know, I kind of get a little queasy. I mean, like, yeah, again, as a reader, I understand why that's useful. As a writer, that's I, I don't think of the stuff I do within those kind of sort of like narrow genre, you know, in those sorts of genre terms. So it doesn't like upset me or anything to that effect, but I don't think of it as being, it does, just that I, you know, I don't write that sit down and think like, oh, I'm going to write Grimdark today mm-hmm. or, you know, anything to that effect. I guess I don't know if that's a great answer or not. No, no. It's, it sounds like from your from your description that your writing process is very organic. Like you just have yeah. a story and you just go with it. Yeah. Or, you know, when I case try to do, when I, I have tried to like tailor my, my writing to like, I'm going to write this, this is popular. It never works. Okay. I end up, it ends up just going into a different direction at the end of it. You're like, Oh, this was even less sellable. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I don't know how this ended up being this. That was the opposite of my intention. Um, like with a, a city dreaming, did you set out to set to write urban fantasy or did, I mean, city dreaming was, it was just like a series. City dreaming actually started just like, it was a series of kind of jokes about my life where I just like see these odd things and think like, if you could skew this in a, in a more sort of, fantastical element like wouldn't it be funny to write a book about the bar you like if it was magic or that kind of thing mm-hmm. um but uh, no i i if, if this podcast has not convinced you i i am not like fiercely sales oriented <laughs> i don't have that that you know that bone in my body your next book is not marketing and promotion by daniel polanski an author's tip to author success no i mean you know it's a different skill set man like i right. have i have friends or you know acquaintances uh, you know other authors who are very good at it and good at sales and good at hanging out in rooms and talking to people and i don't take anything away from them but it's just a different skill set you know it's like i can't do that i can't juggle either you know like i, I mean I, there's you know I, I can't really sell my own book i don't i don't particularly like doing these kinds of things this is fun mm-hmm. but i mean I don't, I don't love doing it i don't like i don't you know like talking about my stuff or you know so and that also goes back to like i i yeah, you know, I don't like having to defend my own stuff, which is in effect what you're having to do when you're pitching it, right? You know, like, I just feel, you know, and it usually comes down to like, because there's no clever idea. It's all just execution. So at some point you're going like, no, I wrote an urban fantasy, but it's clever. It's not like the other <laughs> urban fantasy that suck. It's a good urban <laughs> fantasy. I promise. Seriously, it's very clever. And I'm like, fuck you. Who cares? Right. Well, you know, why would you, who would believe me? <laughs> I love this interview. This is fun. So we had uh, one question here from uh, our Patreon uh, supporters, the Order of the Bloody Unicorn is what we call Who it. Who would uh, what the Order of the Bloody Unicorn? Yeah. They, they they don't have anything better to do with their time than <laughs> or their money or their right. Well, not you, man. They can support you, but ask me questions. All right. right. What is what is your what is the uh, so patreoncom slash the Grim Tidings podcast if somebody hey, wants to have, sign up. Let me interrupt. Do you yeah. have? Is, you know, there's like in the in the cloisters in New York. There's this famous series of like 15th, 14th century uh, like French tapestries like woven tapestries of where they're hunting a unicorn oh you should totally make this your oh shit your like you know your your uh, uh flag or whatever yeah they're gorgeous they're yeah. like 600 years old people these like various huntsmen hunting down a unicorn that's lovely it's fucking awesome. what's the name of the artist uh, i have no idea i don't okay. know if there's a name it might i i it's like from the from the 
Yeah, look it up. Uh, hunting a unicorn, it's called. I love it. <clears throat> if there's any tangent worthy of the Grim Tidings podcast, it's a unicorn tangent. This so. is a cool, yeah. it's a cool, I mean, like, medieval art, like, visual art generally blows in my mind, you know, it's just like the two-dimensional kind of, like, figures of Christ. Mm -hmm. But this, like, the, the, the tapestries are fabulously, seem like way more, like, they understood dimensions. And, like For whatever reason, it's much, it seems much more advanced than the right. usual iconography. And this particular series, of it's like four of them or something, and it's like, it's just them hunting this unicorn. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> you should look at it, it's, uh, you know. That's badass. Well, yeah. I'm going to look it up yeah. at the conclusion of our... No, do it now. <laughs> no, it Stop the interview no, and... Look up in unicorns. Okay, patreon.com slash the Grim Tidings podcast if folks want to uh, sign up and get early access to interviews and submit questions beforehand. But we had one of our uh, loyal subjects ask, uh, was the release of the Builder's novella a success for you as an author? I probably know the answer. Um, and do you see novellas becoming the sweet spot between a time-deprived society not wanting doorstoppers but wanting more meat than can be crammed into short stories? As far as the first part of the question goes yeah i guess i mean like it sold pretty well as far as novellas go okay. uh i made a little money and and the i got the hugo uh, nomination nomination all of that that's not bad no although it, it, the hugo's man i mean is that a whole bad. another yeah. subject there yeah, <laughs> got it. um so um um uh, that the second part i don't know i mean i know that uh i personally really kind of loathe the with some exceptions the 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 10,000 page, you know, fantasy, high fantasy kind of epic. I, I, that stuff really drags, really, it's not, it's not on my alley. Mm -hmm. But that's not, I mean, whatever. There's obviously like a big difference, you know, that, 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 that's neither here nor there in terms of the novella question. Like I said, I think some, I think some ideas are worth 30,000 words, you know, and, and you don't want to stress them to I mean, they're brilliant, clever, interesting ideas that only can only be sustained for X length of time. Mm -hmm. And I like the idea that, I guess, because of, you know, sort of the digital revolution, et cetera, there is more scope to do those ideas in the format that, uh, you know, the, the author's preferred format rather than having to feel like, oh, I have this clever idea, but I've got to figure out a way to make it and do a novel. Um, so that's cool. I, I don't know. I mean, as far as the truth is, the, the difference between a short story and a no novella is vast. I mean, like, they're not really... They're all they're 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 categorically different. They're like distinct species, you know. So it's it's hard. I, to my mind, it's sort of hard to compare them. A short story is a joke. I mean, like it's one not not a joke in the sense of being risable, but in the sense of having like there is a punchline to a short story. A good short story, whether it's speculative fiction or or, or not, it really doesn't matter. There's a there's that you can like underline the fucking point. Mm -hmm. You know, this is where we get to the abracadabra or whatever. As for novellas and novels, they're more meandering by their nature. So, I mean, a novella is much closer to a novel. A short story is its own distinct beast in my uh, in my eyes. Um, I, I don't know that it's getting. I really, I, I have no idea in terms of like sort of uh, the genre. I'm the last, literally the fucking. You could ask. You could. You could. You you would get a better. I'm not kidding. You get objectively a a better. Uh, opinion if you just like ask this on Facebook to, like, okay. the, you know your, your fans or whatever I, I cannot give the most remote insight into the future of the genre gotcha. I have no fucking idea okay would you say you're more just kind of into your art versus having your thumb on the pulse of the literary publishing um, industry um yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't. I'd put it in like more mock mocking terms okay like, <laughs> -mock term, but, yeah I mean I don't um I. I can honestly say I've never written anything because I, like, thought this would be the next thing. Mm -hmm. That's not true. I've never published anything. Okay. I've written things I thought would, you know, I thought I was following along with the tale, and they weren't good. You know, so it, that's why I don't do it. You okay. know, I mean, uh, um, yeah, you know, I, 
for me or whatever, I don't seem to have that capacity. Or maybe I did at one point in my life and I've lost it. I don't really know. Oh. Well, let's ask some writerly questions. Go. We have some writerly... You you know a thing or two about writing, I what suppose. What uh, <laughs> Otherwise, you really got screwed here, man. Right. <laughs> You've probably answered these a few times before, but I'm um, sure folks who were just Do it. hearing the Daniel Double Polanski down. name would like to know yes. all, all about you. Yes. Um, did you always want to be a writer? No. No. Well... Uh, I was not one of those kids that when they were 14, like, I'm going to be a writer. You should throw things at those kids. Um, but I did read all the time. I was a compulsive, constant reader, always had a book in my bag, you know, always was reading, loved reading. And, uh, so, which ultimately at, you know, a young age, no one writes, like, Rimbo read something, wrote something good at 13. Other than that, like, there's literally one person in human history who wrote a good book under 20. So at that age, you're just, you know, Christopher Bailey. <laughs> that was Aragon, right? <laughs> right. Good line. Uh, no, I don't know. I didn't read. I didn't read those. So he's a dragon. He he rides a dragon. He's got a magic sword. Is that what the fifteen year olds like? That I would have read. That would have been my book at fifteen too. I I also wanted to ride a dragon with a magic sword. So did many of my contemporaries, as far as this, as far as I can gather. Um, I don't even like heights. Uh, there aren't many. So at that age, you know, you are better off. I think just like. Reading. If I was going to give a 15 year old advice on writing, I'd be like, just read. read. Not, you don't fucking know enough to write yet. So I read constantly okay. uh, and loved that. And in some ways, I mean, and I also just, you know, would sit by myself and imagine things all the time. I mean, I do have a very, an overactive imagination. Yeah. That never, that was, that was there since my earliest age. But if you'd asked me, you know, at 15 or something like that, no, I wouldn't have said I want to be a writer. I don't think I had any – I really didn't have any forward goal. <laughs> I wasn't real goal-oriented uh, growing up. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I – I, no, I kind of – I mean, I, I kind of fell into it. Uh, what authors inspired you to write? Was there any – maybe two or three authors that you read? You are like, this is really cool. I want to do this too. Or was there a, a match that kind of lit your literary flame? No. No? Okay. I mean there were a million writers I loved. I could go on. Because you were reading all the time. Yeah. Right? I mean I could go on for you know hours about all the people okay. I really liked. Um, but there wasn't someone where I, I read and I said – I mean there are people – there have been people that I have sort of consciously copied from. Um, and certainly for the low, I mean, anyways, read Low Town, you know, that's just a straight, obviously, just a straight Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hammett, Ross McDonald, the kind of classic two fisted private eye, you know, broad walked into my office and I knew she was bad news, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Noir. And I, yeah, you know, and I love those. Mm -hmm. But I read that, I read those guys years before I started writing. So it wasn't, it wasn't really like I read one person at all. Okay. Like, you know, um, maybe just a more sort of gradual accumulation of ideas. Okay. And you read widely, I presume. Do you read a specific genre or do you read all over the place? No, I mean, I think um, – so, you know, reading has different purposes depending on what you're doing. And um, I am a writer, right? That's my that's my profession. So that means I don't have the luxury necessarily of reading for pure entertainment the way most people, you know, do. If you have a normal job, like, you don't, you know, you go home and you do whatever the fuck you want and – uh, you know, if you've been working for eight hours, probably whatever you're reading is, you know, action packed or something that, you know, you, you can, you can, you don't have to be putting a tremendous amount of like upward mental energy in towards necessarily reading. Um, but as a writer, your reading has to be much more conscious. It's more like exercise almost. You know what I mean? Like, not that I don't, you know, where it's like, okay, you have to be, you have to be reading things that maybe, like, I definitely make more of an effort to read things that I'm not enjoying necessarily each second while I'm reading it because I feel like I'm exposing myself towards, 
new ideas or, you know, like new ways of using language or these kinds of things. So, uh, you know, I, I, so, so anyway, so to answer your question, I mean, I, I, I try to read widely and I try to read things that I don't, aren't immediately, I'm not immediately drawn to or don't, you know, aren't initially easy because I feel like that's part of my job as a writer. And that actually sparked another question I was going to ask you, too, since I was going through your blog or rantings, so to speak, at danielpolanski.com. Yeah, your website, I, I've not updated that about six Where months. you've got a few of your books for sale. Not all of them, but... <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had a bunch of shit. Oh, well, I'll double check. Right. Well, now you know. That's why I'm here. I'm here to help, Dan. <clears throat> but uh, you read a lot, and a lot of your rantings are just about what you're reading. That's all I really rant about. That's, yeah. You got a lot of posts just about this is what yeah. I'm reading right now. This, yeah. These are my thoughts on it, which yeah. is cool. Um, but it made me think, um, since you are a writer, like you said, and you've been doing this writing thing for a few years now, um, maybe if you have some tips over for, for writers listening to the audience of ways to read a book like a writer. Maybe oh, some tips of maybe things that's that... That's a good question. Yeah. Maybe yeah. some things that people could pick up as they're reading well, they should pay attention to. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me... I will, I will answer that question slightly differently. But okay. I hear what you're... Um, if you, if you smell a little to, I mean, I do hear what you're saying. I mean, to reframe, sort of reframe my previous comment, which is like, you need to think about what, what is the purpose of your reading? And if you have, again, if you are, if you have a normal job, a non-writing job, then you can, that purpose can be whatever you whatever you want it to be. If you are a writer and you want to become a better writer, you need to be reading writing that is at least a level above your writing. That is I will go to the fucking mattresses with someone who I will I will spit in the face of the man who argues me with that point. You know, that is a, a I'm as confident about that as I am about anything on fucking earth. So if you want to be a better writer than you are, and yet that's your goal, your goal is to get, become a better writer, then you need to be reading things you are not comfortable with. You need to be reading things which are outside of your comfort zone, which are weirder, which are dealing with different subject matter, which have, you know, linguistic or aesthetic peculiarities with which you're not comfortable. You need to be doing that. If you don't do that, you will never become a better writer. You will die exactly the level of writing that you are. All good art comes from copying people above, starts with copying people a level above you are. And then you, you know, you, you hopefully learn from them and you make your own style and blah, 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 blah. But read outside of your comfort zone. That would be my strong argument. You know, if you want, you know, don't feel like, well, I just, I want to write this genre. I should only read this genre. No, fuck you. You'll never write anything good if you think that way. You will never write anything good. You've got to be, you know, picking up books that, that make you uncomfortable where you're struggling with the first 20 or 50 pages and you're like, what? The language here is really weird. And, and then, you know, maybe, okay, then you figure it out going forward. So, yeah, but there are, I meet far too many people where it's like, oh, I've read, you know, I've read a hundred variations of this one concept and now I want to write this concept. And it's like, okay, well, fine, but you're never going to do anything good. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to be exposing yourself to, 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 and I mean, I do that. I mean, like I'm, I, you know, I have a book in my bag that's boring the shit out of me, but like I want to finish it, <laughs> you know, because uh, I think there's stuff, I think there's value there. And I, and because I want to train myself to, you know, it's like exercise or something, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it, 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 you have to, you don't necessarily enjoy it while you're doing it, but you feel like it has a more profound sort of a more valuable effect on you further on. Do you have any other writing exercises that you employ? Two pieces of advice. The first one, the main one, is just that unless you're enjoying doing it, don't do it. Um, you know, it, it's not a moneymaker. <laughs> uh, if you're smart enough to make money writing, you're smart enough to make money, much more money in many other ways. Mm. And, um, you know, there's this kind of, I, I feel like among kind of writers that are just starting out, you know, there's this idea where like, oh, I'm going to be like rich and famous. Like, you're never going to be rich. No one's rich. First of all, no one's that rich. Like a rich, I, I know rich writers, they're like, 
not that <laughs> they're not that rich <laughs> you know like i i have got friends that are like they're not that rich right. you know uh and and famous are you fucking kidding me you fucking who's famous There's like three you know like who's famous even you know like you know that's a stupid thing to wish for so when i wrote low town i can vividly remember getting to the end of it and being like feeling like if you don't enjoy writing, I mean, the payoff to me with Lowtown and and all the writing since has been that I lo- I, I love writing, uh, or more than love isn't really the right word. It, it calms me down. I, again, I think it is like exercise for for some people at least, where it's like if you you know you don't necessarily enjoy lifting those weights while you're doing it, but then you go to bed, you know, like when you're done that day, you feel better that day. And if you don't do that, you feel shitty at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. If I don't write, I feel shitty at the end of the day. Hmm. I have all this mental energy that has not gone anywhere, and it just drives me fucking crazy. That's where if, I, if I've written a few thousand words, I'm just too fucking tired to think about the state of the world. So that's why I write. And if you write for any other reason, it's probably not a good idea. Probably just a waste of your time, honestly. Um, you know, so, you know, I, that that's, that is really, honestly, the only universal piece of advice that I can give to anyone who's writing at any level – if you don't enjoy it, stop doing it. Mm-hmm. You should only do it because you enjoy it. And you should be able to feel – I remember finishing Lowtown and, and truly feeling like – and even though I speak – I, I shit on it. <laughs> um, really feeling like if I had taken this and thrown it in a fire – this is before it sold. Mm-hmm. You know, just if I had taken the, the – the, the, whatever. I mean, you know, yeah, it was, I was on a computer. If I had thrown my computer in a fire <laughs> or whatever, um, I would still feel like this was a good use of my time and because I just enjoyed it moment to moment and at the end of the day and you know at the end of the days where I'd finished writing I felt better and happier and more comfortable with my the world and my space in it so if you don't feel that way then don't write you're wasting your time mm-hmm. um, and uh, apart from that I would say the other big thing really that especially like you know you have to this has to become it really is like exercise again like it has to be a habit you know you have to just get up every day and do this or you know as if not every day then most days and that makes it much, much, much easier. You know, it's much, much harder to start and then stop and then start and then stop. If you can keep up a rhythm every day, and especially at the early stage, I think what you're doing really is training your mind to write every day. And it, it doesn't matter that much if it's good or not. Like, whether it's good or bad is irrelevant. You have to force yourself to write every day or virtually every day um, to, to get your mind in that rhythm, you know, where it just becomes a, a habit. And um, so that in the early stages, that is effort. It's a lot of effort. And as you do it more and more, it becomes easier. I mean, it's never, it's always effort, but it, it's, it's less than it was day two, of, you know. So, yeah, I mean, that would be it. Love what, legit, you have to legitimately enjoy it and you have to force yourself to do it for a while. Um, and those would be my two kind of useful pieces of advice. Oh, and then, you know, read out, read widely. And, okay. and, 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 and you know, and yeah, I mean, if you want, I mean, yeah, if you want to be a writer, think about writing. Think about reading as part of your work. Don't think about it. It's not an entertainment for you any longer. You know, it's part of your job. So it's not like you can't be like, oh, I didn't really, you know, I want to just read a comic book today. Like, no, fuck you. <laughs> like, you got to. Sorry. You know, right. like if you were a lawyer, you could read a comic today, but you're not a lawyer. Right. You're a writer. Right. So like, you know, read some shit that's going to make you, you know, challenge you a little bit. What about um, knowing what's popular within your genre? That would be great if I did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I mean, actually, that's, you know, a more successful writer would probably give you that. That is good mm-hmm. advice. That's very good advice. It can be hard for me personally. I really struggle with like I have written books where I started off saying like, okay, YA is the thing right now, and I'm going to write this YA book. And they're not as good. They're just not as good. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't feel that kind of enthusiasm for it, 
for me personally, it's just not. You know, it doesn't come off as strong. I have a trunked YA novel, you know, that's just like, it's not great. You know, and it's okay. It's not terrible, but it's obviously not what I want to, it doesn't, you know. So you should know what, 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 you know, what is, what is selling in your genre. And, and, you know, there are people who can execute better on that, I guess. And I wish I was one of them, but I'm not really, you know, I, I end up just kind of writing when I end up writing. Are you, are you a pantser or a plotter? A what? Are you, do you, a pantser or a plotter? Do you just wing it and start writing or do you have oh. an outline or? It depends what you're writing. It depends on the style of the, th- of the thing. Um, some books are like crime or, I mean, the, or the, the, the empty throne was the most ungodly amount of, uh, of plotting. It depends on your writing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, City Dream was like, was episodic and sort of, you know, vignette And so, uh, I, you could just kind of go, um, if you're writing, I guess the truth is I started off more just like, we'll write anything. And as I've gotten older, I realized like, you know, I, I've wasted 50,000 words just because I was enjoying writing them at the time. And then, so, I mean, actually I would say, I mean, uh, it depends. I would say for my own stuff, it depends on the book for, if you're starting out as a writer, again, the most important thing is just to get a rhythm down. And so if you're, if you waste a lot of words, I don't think that matters that much. So long as you get that rhythm down. Um, and I do think there's something I see about starting out, you know, like, so there's a, a tendency I see among young writers where it's like they want to plot this endlessly rather than ever really have to write it, which is the more kind of difficult part of it, really. Right. So if you're starting out, it's, again, it's more important just to get these words down. Um, I think as you get further along and that becomes relatively easy, then you almost have to then force yourself to go back and like, okay, no, now it's, it is fun to wake up every day and just write three or four thousand words in a random kind of direction but it's not a fucking use so then you know i guess as i've gotten older i've been more keen on like all right well okay i know you want to write this right now but like how does this work in the story and you know figure this out a little more elaborately so any writing rituals that you have is there a place that you usually write or is there a time that you usually write or any sort of normal routine that it comes to your writing process uh if i'm in new york you know, I usually just wake up and go to a coffee shop and write, uh, and then walk, and then write, and then walk, and then write, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, I, so I wrote Lowtown, like, when I had a full-time job, and I was, like, in the office with, like, the boss's back was turned. So that was kind of how I learned to do this. And so I'm not precious about writing. I'm sort of skeptical of, like, oh, I've got to be in my special writer cave. Oh, <laughs> fuck you, dude. Get your shit together. I'm not precious about writing at all, really. So I do pride myself on, like, like traveling this week, you know, like when I had a free two hours. Could they hear that? What do you think on the mic? They, they can hear Good. that. Yeah. All right. So I just banged the table <laughs> with the finger. Um, I poked it, I guess. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I could sit down and like, like hash them out. So no, I don't really have a, um, a cute writer's ritual. No. Oh, you know? yeah. uh, I, I need to drink something. Okay. I, I almost always need to have a coffee or a beer, you know, depending, just something I could have like next to my kind okay. of computer. You said you mentioned uh, writing in public. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, I guess that's. I mean, rich will be strong, but I, I, well, part of that is. So I mean, moving to New York, I, 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 I am naturally a homebody, and I didn't want to be that way. So like, I forced myself to get out of the house as okay. soon as I kind of wake up, and then, like anything, you know, you force yourself through something, and then at some point it becomes a pattern. Um. So I, I, I write almost exclusively in public, very rarely am I alone, you know, uh, it's not my preference. I like to have a few people around. I, somehow I like the idea of like, yeah, a little bit of buzz around me that I can kind of, I've got to focus my mind against in some sense, you know, like, okay, you got to block them out and just be thinking about your own shit and just looking at the computer. So 
Let's ask some fun questions. Yeah, go. You have tattoos. I do. Um, I think you got. I have two. Two. Okay. Yeah. You got the what's the compass on the your compass rose. right left forearm? My left forearm. Okay. And I have um, a, a series of lines. Uh, it's a visual poem. It's a visual poem on my chest. On I your chest, and one. people yeah. can can find that on your Twitter feed. You posted a picture of that. Well, don't look at it. <laughs> <laughs> don't say it as if that. Like, oh, I have it on my Twitter feed all the time. Like, no, I. Once put one photo, and I think it was just to get the attention of a girl. Uh, memory serves, so I, I don't, I don't, you know, uh, they could find it. They really need okay. to. It's from Savage Detectives, which is a great book. Great okay, book, yeah. romantic. I like it. Okay, uh, what are you currently reading? This exact second, I'm reading a book called "Man Without Qualities" by Robert Musil. Hmm. Musil, I don't know how to pronounce the name, um, and it is. Um, I, I just started. I put okay. pages into it, and it's really. Proustian. It's like there's not really a plot. Okay. Uh, so I, I can't say anything. Is it just literary fiction? Or? Yeah. Okay. There's like uh, it's it's um, yes. I, I can't. I can give no nothing. Further. You just I, you I just literally okay. have I started yesterday. Okay. I have no valuable insight to offer. What are you currently watching? Netflix or anything like that? Any TV shows on the regular rotation? Um, you know what I'm fucking obsessed with? Hmm. The Good Place. The Good Place is the best thing on television. I am obsessed with this. It's so weird and so clever. Uh, it's uh, yeah. Watch the Good Place. I don't want to give any. Okay. It, it, it is. It is. I don't want to give any spoilers. Fun to go in completely blind. Yes. Okay. You go. It's, it's really fun. It's. It's. I was very skeptical. Uh, it's on NBC. It's a sitcom, but hmm. it is. It is un. It is as unlike. Any's it's nothing like any sitcom you've ever seen. It's really okay. nothing like any television I've ever seen. Period. When I think NBC sitcom, I'm I'm usually I'm like, eh. no, I agree. Right. I, I, and someone someone recommended this to me like nine months ago, mm -hmm. six months ago. I was like, oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. And then uh, like, oh, uh, uh, Friends. Yeah, that's right. cool. Um, and then um, I've heard of those. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then watched the episode. Was like, was the kind of thing I was like, how the. Fuck! Did they get this on television? This is so much more clever than network than than, than oh, should be on network. I like clever, really clever. I think it's the smartest thing on TV. And it's called the Good Place. The Good Place. Yeah, I don't know that it really needs my recommendation, but it's very clever. Good show, the Good Place. Besides that, I like Get Shorty. I don't know, man. I I, okay. I, I like to have things on. I basically just rewatched Thirty Rock all this time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones fan? Books? TV show? Okay. So here's the thing about Game of Thrones. Okay. So I was reading those, you know, I remember being like 20 or something like this and 20, 21. And my older brother being like, we were, I was going on vacation or You're something. You're 34 now. 33. 33. 33. Get your shit right. <laughs> and my older brother, who really is not a fantasy guy at all, was like, oh, I've heard the series is good. You know, you should check this. We're going to the beach or something. And I, I, I bought the first book. And I go to the bookstore and I buy this first book. And this is before it blew up and it had the clever, it has like the kind of adult you know, front with like just a, a, one of the house sigils or something. Right. At the time it had like, it was the straight fantasy cover with it. You know, like the guy with the bear test, the guy with the sword and there's like wolves in front of him. And I was like, I'm looking at this. I'm just like, what? This looks like every fantasy book mm -hmm. I've ever fucking read. And then read it. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> you know, I can remember like my brother stole it where we were driving somewhere and he, he gets, to, I guess the part where they throw Bran out the window or yeah. whatever. And he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> And I'm like, what? What is it? Oh, no, you'll see, you'll see. And anyway, so the short of it is, I love those. And uh, you know, the first three of them came out basically before like nerd culture blew up as a thing, right? Which has really been an astonishing development in mm -hmm. the last only like ten years, not long, really. You know, where where this entered mainstream culture. The idea ten years ago that fucking Game of Thrones would have been something that was like every random person you would know, I would never have believed it. I would have murdered someone. <laughs> 
to talk about Jon Snow at a bar with a pretty chick. Are right. you kidding me? Like, right. like, like, like who do you think Jon Snow's parents are, pretty girl at the bar? Like, no fucking way was that going to happen in 2002 or whatever yeah. when I read this book. Uh, the first, whatever it was. Um, and so, I mean, for me, the thing about Game of Thrones was just, like, I loved those books and was obsessed with them. And then, like, but my attention span isn't indefinite, you know? So, I mean, like, between reading that first book, that was literally, that was more the closer to 15 years ago than 10, right? Mm-hmm. So, my attention, my, my my interest in that is not indefinite. At some point, you're just like, I kind of really care anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I love, I was obsessed with those. I really wanted to read them. I was so excited. I really liked the first season. And it's a good show. I mean, nothing against it. It was just like, I just at some point was like, I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. I just like, I, I really cared about this for a long time. And like, now nah, I just want to something else. Now right. it's, you know, you know, every, you know. So, uh, and then also, I didn't really, it was, you know, I, t- I was like, I don't really want to watch The Red Wedding again. <laughs> you know, I know it's going to come here, man. I don't really right. need it. You know, and, and I think I think basically after the episode, season two, and they started torturing the shit out of uh, Reek or Theon. Theon, yeah. And I just was like, oh, and they cut off his balls. I was like, you know, I think I'm good. Snip. I think this is the last time I can watch <laughs> a really elaborate torture scene. Anyway, so I I... I started watching the last season again just because uh, the girl I'm seeing, uh, like, she was into it. Which is, again, it's really funny to watch, like, the rest of the world get into, you know, like, right. kind of nerd. You're like, do you watch Game of Thrones? You're like, fuck you! Are you fucking kidding? You don't fucking watch Game of Thrones? Fuck you! I watch fucking Game of Thrones. I fucking been, you know, yeah, I fucking watch. Fuck you. Yeah, I know about Game of Thrones. Thanks a bunch. Yeah, oh. welcome to the game. Um, so, yeah, whatever. The last season blew. I, I was, you know, who liked the last, I don't know. I, I watched the last season and I was, uh, it was, it's funny. I kick, I keep up with that insofar as I want to sort of, I am kind of interested in how it ends, mm-hmm. you know, like in these little bits. Where it's all going. Um, but when I turned it on again, this, having wa- not watched for like five years, I was a bit like, I really, I don't need to see Jon Snow. This is a visual joke, so I don't want to be radio <laughs> But I didn't need to, I didn't need to watch Jon Snow do his Jon Snow face anymore. You're like, <laughs> like the entire, so, he must be so tired. That poor guy doing that face, man. It's the same right. face for fucking six. Years. Like sad and vaguely surprised for fucking six years. He's also four foot eight, but that's neither here nor there. So anyway, I kind of lost interest in it. Okay, is the short answer. Yeah. And then, so you're off to Seattle. I am. Next, you're heading out there tomorrow morning. You're going to crash at Shea Matheny tonight. And, and then, then I'm, I'm sprinting out. Yeah. You're going to bail at seven in the I morning. Am. I am. I'm going to get out to Seattle and, uh, and see some friends. Okay. Uh, I have friends. IRL friends. Popular, well-liked person. Uh, okay. So heading to Seattle, and then you're going to head back to Brooklyn shortly thereafter. and Maybe back down to L.A. I don't know. Okay. I might be making this L.A. I'll move to L.A. Okay. Uh, okay. But, but we'll see. I'll be back to Brooklyn at some point. Okay. Yeah. So DanielPolanski.com is the website for it people is. to buy all of your books. Some of my books. Uh, read Fair your enough. latest rantings of your books that you're reading yeah. and to catch up on all things going on with Daniel Polanski. You can pick up a copy of Lowtown, uh, Those Above, Those Below, um, all your books available on Amazon now. Links on the show notes. Pick them up. The whole slate. You should do it. I need the money. <laughs> I need the money. Don't you care about me and strangers on the internet? We care about Sometimes you. I feel like strangers on the internet don't care about me. <laughs> I feel like they don't care about me that much at all. And, well, that, and, and Rob, mm-hmm. that hurts. Oh. <laughs> that hurts. On the inside? Yeah, on the inside. <laughs> like, not where you can see it. Right. Internally. Right. Well, it's been an eye-opening um, interview. I hope you've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. Have you? Yeah. Well, like me, the thing you've learned. Uh, I learned about reading up. Uh, yeah. Le- learning that's good about, advice. Yeah, that's great I gave advice. good advice. You that was good advice. Solid advice. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm an adult. 
We're going to drink more beers. Yeah. Uh, we're going to enjoy our evening together, hanging out. And uh, thanks for listening to the show, everybody. Everyone should 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 give money to this uh, show. Yeah. Patreon, right? Patreon. Mm-hmm. They should Patreon the shit out of this, dude. Pops <laughs> should get Patreon the shit out of it. Daniel Polanski says Patreon the shit That's out of the show. That's what I said. So you so should listen it. to me. I'm a stranger. <laughs> you know I'm you know I'm trustworthy because I have my name on a book. So does the uh, one who wrote The Secret. Well, you, well, you have to sign my book. I will, but okay. don't make me sign it now because no, I can't okay. think of anything I'll later on. All right. On, I'll well, you've got a few more hours. So. Yeah, all right. Well, we will wrap the conversation there. Daniel Polanski, thank you so much for hanging out here at my house. I thank you for letting me All right. Stay. You rock. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this edition of the Grim Tidings Podcast, available online at thegrimtidingspodcast.com or on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegrimtidingspodcast. You can follow us on Twitter at GrimDarkFiction. And for daily updates on all things Grimdark, be sure to drop by our Facebook group at GrimDarkFiction Readers and Writers. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Grim Tidings Podcast. We'll see you next time. <laughs>